Elon Musk says that every ex-user will soon be required to pay a fee to use the platform. Will Hurd, a Republican running for president, is the first candidate to offer an AI policy plan, and Goldman Sachs raises $15 billion to invest in other private equity funds. I'm Jackson Fordyce, and this is Venture Daily. Elon Musk has teased a new feature of X, and he may be disappointed to learn that it's a monthly subscription fee for all users of the app. According to Musk, it's the only way he can think of to adequately combat vast armies of bots on the platform. He said so on a live stream with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu on Monday, explained that adding a universal subscription model would make it more difficult for bots as they would need to register a new credit card with each account. Now, it's not confirmed if this tease proposal will actually go into effect on X, as Musk is known to publicly comment about features that never end up materializing. But if a monthly fee for all users was implemented, Musk said X plans to offer a cheaper, lower-tier pricing for users than the current subscription called X Premium, the $8 per month tier formerly known as Twitter Blue. The price for the tease universal subscription is unknown, but it sounds like it would be at least under $8 per month. As X tries to bring advertisers back to its platform, Musk appears to be betting that a platform with significantly less bots, even if at the cost of users that don't want to pay a subscription fee to use the app, will be more enticing to advertisers. Some reports estimate that 20% of X's user base is bots. Naturally, that's a huge turnoff for advertisers. The first AI policy plan has been proposed by a presidential candidate. Will Hurd, a former congressman from Texas and a Republican presidential primary candidate, yesterday released his plan outlining guidelines regulating artificial intelligence. Hurd is no stranger to AI as he chaired the first AI hearing in the House in 2018. He also says he wrote the first national strategy for AI and served on OpenAI's board from 2021 until July of this year. In his press release titled Harnessing Artificial Intelligence, Hurd explains the urgency in implementing regulation in order to win the AI Cold War with China. He gives three strategies that should be considered in regulating the tech. 1. Establish fundamental regulatory frameworks by mandating legal accountability, protecting intellectual property, and implementing safety permitting. 2. Prepare the American worker for the future by bridging the AI talent gap, enhancing government efficiency with AI, and leveraging AI for continuous learning. And three, fortify national security with AI by equipping the military and intelligence communities with advanced AI, focusing on border surveillance, controlling AI tech exports, strengthening global AI collaborations, and assessing foreign AI developments. Will Hurd is currently polling under 1% and has not yet qualified for the Republican primary debates, but this plan can be the first domino in pushing presidential candidates to offer their policy perspective on artificial intelligence. To discuss Hurd's AI policy plan, I spoke with Matt Ellis. Hello, I'm Matt Ellis. I'm the CEO and co-founder at 60AI. 60AI is an AI-powered personal relationship management software company. Matt, do you agree with Will Hurd that we are entering a technology cold war with China, where the victor will shape global markets and norms for the rest of the century? I think that's a little dramatic, uh, but there is definitely a race on, and the winner will have a lot of power. What do you think of Hurd's proposal that powerful AI models need to obtain a permit to ensure they operate with safe and reliable standards? I think it's the strangest idea I've heard since someone invented the word normalcy. Um, (laughs) It's completely impractical. The idea that the government can get in front of this, it's never happened. They're going to be dragged behind it, screaming and crying. The question is, how can you regulate it? How can you regulate it well? Can you imagine explaining to a civil servant what your new app does and getting a permit for it? It's just going to stop development. And that means that the development leaves the United States. We lose control of it and we lose ownership of it. The country that accepts that the world is changing like software ate the world, like the Industrial Revolution eats the world, 
and deals with the costs of that, uh, the fallout of that, is the one that's going to win. Matt, what do you think regulating well looks like? Well, first of all, it means understanding it, which is going to take at least a decade, probably two, for the government. Um, but it means uh, legislating for the costs of it. Uh, it means, um, for example, protecting intellectual property rights so that artists and musicians aren't just have, don't have everything ripped off. But the people who lose their jobs, they need to have opportunities to retrain. And one part of his proposal, which is to prepare the workforce for the future, is actually quite grounded in, I think, a good idea. The first words of Heard's policy plan reads, AI threatens 85 million jobs worldwide. Do you agree with him that we should make coding and data analytics standard subjects in middle school and beyond to prepare our youth for future professions? I don't think they should be standard because that speaks to attitude. Not everyone can code. Not everyone can write music. I think it should be invested in. But if you're not that type of person, you've got to find something else to do. Matt, do you think we'll soon see most presidential candidates speaking on and providing an AI policy plan as we get closer to November 2024? I think they'll say something about it, but I think few of them understand it like Heard does. How can older politicians start to understand artificial intelligence? They don't, and they never have. It's going to be the younger politicians who do this. That was Matt Ellis, CEO of 60AI. Thanks, Matt. Always a pleasure having you on. Good to be here. Goldman Sachs has raised $15 billion for a new fund that will focus on buying stakes in other private equity funds. Veering from a traditional leveraged buyout model, Goldman plans to invest in deals where buyout funds sell portfolio companies from one fund to another. This is promising news for private equity markets as fundraising has slowed over the last 12 months and LPs have found themselves over-allocated in alternatives like private credit, real estate, and infrastructure. The bank's global head of secondaries, Harold Hope, told the Financial Times that, quote, This is a really big step up and it was done in a difficult market. The firm's last secondaries fund raised just over $10 billion in 2020. To discuss Goldman's new fund in the future of the secondaries market, I spoke with Raghu Madabushi. I'm uh, Raghu Madabushi. I'm the director of uh, early stage investing here at uh, National Grid Partners. Raghu, what is it about the secondaries market that Goldman finds attractive? See, I think we are in a little bit of an unprecedented or at least a unique situation right now. The portfolio valuations are relatively lower. Uh, it's sort of in a cyclical low point. So there are... Uh, interesting deals out there and uh, these are especially for uh, infrastructure and green tech type uh, uh, companies these are relatively illiquid assets meaning ipo type liquidity events take a long time so if you're hunting for bargains this is a great time to be um, in the market Fundraising for private equity has slowed over the last 12 months due to LPs being over-allocated to alternatives like private credit, real estate, and infrastructure. With this $15 billion raise, is there hope from LPs in the secondaries market? Goldman, both? See, it's, uh, it's also a function of macro, right? Right now, the macro significantly dominates. Uh, so if, you, if you're sitting, if you're an LP or if you're a, if you're a fund sitting on a number of portfolio companies that uh, you invested in in the last... Uh, Three, four years, uh, you have write-ups, meaning your portfolio, even though in the last maybe uh, year or two, you probably had some valuations uh, adjusting downward a little bit, but you still have significant write-ups. But um, um, if, if, uh, if you are also allocated, and this is from LP point of view, if you're also allocated to public equities, uh, and the public equities have been significantly down. So this whole uh, denominator effect and whatnot, uh, that itself is increasing your need to rebalance your portfolio between private equity and public equity. 
So that might be a key driver where, um, you know, uh, funds want to, um, you know, want to see if they can uh, sell some in the secondary market, which is where Goldman can step in. Raghu, the fund is focused on buying stakes from other investors in private equity funds and solving liquidity needs. Why would this be attractive to fund managers? Are most PE investors having liquidity problems? Yeah, so I think you should separate out uh, fund dynamics, uh, so GPL fund dynamics from uh, actual portfolio company operating dynamics, meaning uh, there is a certain cadence to how GPs go raise funds from LPs and how LPs allocate to uh, to private equity, right? So that's the fund dynamics. And depending on where you are in the fundraising cycle, you could be um, in between fundraisers or you could be uh, in the market to raise your next fund. So because these are all typically three, four-year cycles uh, where GPs go out and raise funds from LPs and deploy the capital and come back and raise the funds. The portfolio could be doing really well, but given the public markets and uh, sort of the long, um, you know, longer cycles these days for uh, infrastructure and clean tech type um, portfolio companies to reach uh, liquidity, whether it is M&A or uh, IPO, um, both these dynamics together open up this opportunity for, uh, uh, you know, GPs to want to get some liquidity, show some um, numbers on the board as they go raise their next fund, right? So, you know, something like a secondary gives them that opportunity to show some wins, if you will. That was Raghu Matabushi, Director at National Grid Partners. Thanks so much for being on the show, Raghu. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Venture Daily. Today's show is produced by Josiah Simons and Jackson Fordyce. Our theme song was created by Benjamin Cook. If you liked today's episode, please give us an honest review wherever you get your podcasts. I'll see y'all tomorrow morning.